Amen, amen, amen. Um, I, I want to encourage you in something as we get started. We are in a church-wide Bible study in the book of Nehemiah. We're involved in something right now that um, I find to be more uncomfortable than what I've been used to, and that is expository look of Scripture and a progression through uh, a particular book. And I was thinking about this this past week. There was another time that I was really uncomfortable, and it was just like the Lord did something so um, beautiful. And sometimes we have to be willing just to move beyond that which is familiar to explore and discover what God's desiring for us to comprehend. Um, and so a few years back, many of you would have been here during this time, we walked through a journey of understanding why the book of John, chapter 5, Jesus says, the scriptures speak of me. And you understand the book of John hadn't been written um, when he was saying this. The New Testament hadn't come about. We understand the New Testament speaks of Jesus. But the scriptures speak of me. When Jesus is saying that means the book of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Obadiah. And, I mean, all the Old Testament books speak of Jesus. So we walk through this journey of exploring and understanding some of what that looks like in the Bible and one thing, I just this last week was reflecting on it, but uh, Abraham and Isaac up on Mount Moriah, and what a beautiful picture that was of Jesus. Uh, Isaac, born miraculously from a mother who was barren, was a type and a shadow of Jesus who had been born miraculously from a mother who was virgin. Isaac carrying wood for the sacrifice up this same mountain that Jesus would later carry a wooden cross up that mountain. Isaac being laid back, the promised son being laid back on that wood was a, a type and a shadow that Jesus would carry his cross up and he would be laid back on that wood. I mean, it's just beautiful. This is all throughout the Old Testament. The scriptures speak of me. So we went through this journey together of looking at each and every book of the Bible, the history, the context, a bit of understanding for that book, and how you'll see Jesus revealed. My favorite crazy as it sounds because whoever said I love the book of Leviticus my favorite I couldn't believe it when I started discovering how Jesus is remarkably revealed in the book of Leviticus which is one of those books we tend to just kind of skim so this is what our challenge is as a church get an old-fashioned Bible what am I going to say start in the book of Genesis write the date at the top of the page. Maybe a little prayer. Lord, open my eyes to your love today. Write the date. And then every day just turn the page. The next day, write the date. If you miss it, don't worry about it. Just pick up on it. And one day, in a matter actually of just two and a half years, with a typical Bible, you will have gone all the way through Genesis to Revelation. And you'll have this beautiful heirloom with little prayers that your great-great-grandchildren that you will never meet will actually hold in their hand and pray. I mean, if this had been given to me through the lineage of my forefathers, I would hold it like a treasure of gold. I wasn't given that, but just because I wasn't given it doesn't mean I can't give it to the generations after me. So I encourage you to understand the value of what I'm talking about as a beautiful way for you to have your devotion. Do other things too. But if you will turn the page, then when you get to each book, start in the book of Genesis, you can actually go online, watch these messages, and uh, 30 to 40 minutes, and it'll help you understand each and every book as you journey through. So I'm, I do this. 
Uh, and I, I watch those messages and, and read that again. So here's how you find it. DestinyOKC.com. That's our website. If you just go to DestinyOKC.com and move your cursor across to the right, you will see on the right, it's resources. You click on resources and it'll pull that down. Go down to Jesus in the Bible. And when you go there, it gives a 60-second Jesus in the Bible description. That's what that first one is about how to turn the page um, and what that looks like. And Haley's showing us there, modeling it beautifully. Uh, but you journey down, just scroll down, and you will find all 66 sermons, one for each of the 66 books of the Bible, readily available for you. And the reason we want to provide that for you is because we are deeply convinced, ultimately convicted that if we can get God's people to dive into God's Word and experience God's presence, then God's people's lives and the world around them will be completely transformed. We're going to see this today in Nehemiah chapter 2, the result of what it means to actually spend time with God and how that changes so very much. So again, as we're walking this out, we do have these books of Nehemiah. That's the ESV translation, which I'll be reading from today. You can pick these up out in the lobby. After uh, that first week, we wound up buying more. By the way, welcome. Glad to have you all here. Looks like we're going to have to open these curtains uh, pretty quickly here. Um, and, and it's just like you start doing a little Bible study, and then people start showing up even more with a greater hunger and a, a deeper appetite. I mean, you know, God's just really wanting to revolutionize the church where we actually are looking to Jesus, exploring God's power rather than man's clever in the way we're gathering as the body of Christ. And the Lord's wanting to take us there. So uh, we did get more of these. You can pick them up right outside the door to the left. Uh, as you leave today, uh, one of them has lines, one of them is blank, but it's just the book of Nehemiah for you to be able to journal in as we journey together. So, um, well, Lord, just we pray that you'd help us to encounter the God of the Word as we read the Word of God. Uh, we know that, Lord, you've been working to establish the work of God in the earth since the ancient of days <laughs> and we're a part of what you've been doing in the earth all these generations so forgive us Lord where we've settled for that which is shallow and thank you for leading us into a deeper understanding and a greater revelation of what our role is in this hour of handing the baton to a generation that will come after us that will understand the deeper revelation of truly being a disciple of Christ, following the Master as our way of life. In Jesus' name, amen. So the book of Nehemiah, great book, 13 chapters, asking everybody just read two chapters a day and you'll read the book every week and the whole time that we'll be uh, doing this study together. What we found in Nehemiah chapter 1 last week is Nehemiah, in a very comfortable lifestyle, was truly burdened by God. What we're understanding is there's a parallel in the revelation of Nehemiah to the Western world church as God is rebuilding ruins that exist among us today, around us uh, today. He's reaching into those. He's not giving up on it. He's reaching into the body of Christ and he's causing some people to emerge that will actually reflect the character of Christ and the atmosphere of the kingdom of God in the way they learn to love, serve, and give in, in 
all aspects of life in their five-foot circle everywhere they go. And so Nehemiah, in his comfortable position with the king as a cupbearer, is troubled and burdened by that which was troubling the heart of God. So he abandoned and was willing to put at risk his comfortable lifestyle to be given to the purposes of God. I just want to say this, and this is a really important uh, concept for us to understand as we look at this today. Pain has a purpose in the midst of God's plans. I know you might not realize it, but if suddenly you could not feel any pain at all, you might rejoice initially, but then you would live your life treacherously because you would never know when you were being injured if you didn't feel a sense of pain in a moment of burn or cut or whatever it may be. So pain actually has a purpose. And, and rather than just doing what everybody tends to do in our society, do anything we can to escape the pain or medicate it if we can't escape it, maybe we actually need to learn to take a little bit of time with the pain that exists in our lives. Maybe actually sit with the pain for a little while. Maybe learn pain's real name in our lives. Not just pain. Where's it coming from? Why is it there? And discover and explore perhaps something the Lord is wanting to reveal in the sense of a deep purpose out of something that's taken place in our lives. What, what I have found in my own life is so often um, deep pain is used by God to produce great purpose. And many times your greatest purpose will be born from your deepest pain. You'll help other people more effectively from places that you have suffered than places that you've never suffered at all. How many of you know when you're suffering and you're in pain, you're praying about those things and you're asking God for help in those times and revelation starts getting assigned in that direction of your life. It just becomes almost a well spring of life that's born in those places of pain. So taking time and recognizing problems and pain actually take us to places of prayer when we handle them correctly. And that's what we see when we are uh, reading about Nehemiah who risked his life to stand before this king and um, in this moment in time and, and I believe you're going to hear more people speaking on Nehemiah just because I sense that's what the Lord is doing in this hour of the church um, I, I just think it's going to start to emerge not like people we know but I just think the Lord's going to start stirring this rebuilding revelation in the body of Christ in general um, and as we're exploring this and looking into this, uh, what we're, what we're going to see is a lot of parallels. So I believe the strategic timing of what God is doing in expanding the work of God in the earth is upon us now. Uh, I really believe that we've come to a time where we're going to begin to see the expansion of God's kingdom in the earth in amazing and remarkable ways. I have uh, several individuals that we work with, ministry expressions, different places, that are starting to tell some of the most outrageous stories uh, you can possibly imagine, like people encountering God, people that are of different faiths that hate our faith and want to kill people of our faith are encountering God himself. Jesus is showing up, and they are abandoning their misnomer of ideology to embrace true theology of love as revealed in the cross of Jesus Christ. Like there's some crazy stuff starting to happen in the day in which you and I live. Can we have faith and believe God for a great awakening of our generation in Jesus' mighty name? Come on, we need this. The church needs this. The world needs this. We all need to encounter God in a profoundly significant way. So I want to encourage you today as we're talking about the favor of God that was on Nehemiah in chapter 2, that you would, uh, we talk about this a lot. Pastor A.T. has done a lot of teaching and training on the table 
and how to function in our five-foot circle effectively, just paying attention to what the Lord may be doing in any given moment in time. Watch for grace and follow favor. Watch for grace and follow favor. You're in a conversation at work, and suddenly you sense just like the presence of the Lord. Like you don't know how to sense the presence of the Lord if you're not practicing the presence of the Lord in the way you're pursuing God. But if you'll take time and spend time in prayer and the Word routinely, consistently, tenaciously, then you'll learn to explore and experience His presence. And in a moment in time where you're having an interaction, you sense the presence of the Lord. It's like God's leaning in on that conversation. Then you learn to lean in on that conversation. And you simply are cooperating with what God is up to in that moment in time. And this is just watching for grace, just following favor, and you'll be astonished to see what happens as you start to participate with the Lord. So this is what we're seeing in Nehemiah chapter 2. And I want to read uh, some of the chapter today as we look into this. We'll start in verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, as, as we read this, it's not just, it's an old manuscript. This is the living Word of God. <laughs> All Scripture is profitable for teaching, instruction, correction, guidance, direction. And, and I, I want to just encourage you, would you actually try to interact with God in the reading of His Word. I mean, it's just, rather than, again, rather than the shallow splash of a Bible verse so I can get to my motivational message, I want to grow deeper in encountering God in His Word. How many know He's a conversational God? He is so conversational that He sent His Son and describes Him to us as the Word. God the Father said, I want to have a Word with you. So much so, Jesus sacrificially gave his life to awaken God's word to exist with it. So let, let's, let's read his word with that understanding that the treasure of Scripture is truly a beautiful treasure that we have to awaken this interaction with God. So Father, I, I just want to stand before your people and say to you, I repent for times where I've been shallow even in the reading of your word publicly to get to a message. I thank you, Lord, that you're helping all of us to grow and mature. And humility has to mark that. We have to be willing to admit where we've been wrong because we'll never know what we need until we discover what we're not. But once we see what we're not, then we begin to understand what we need. We need you desperately. So, Lord, even in the reading of your word together as a family, uh, would you awaken something of a deeper nature of encounter with God in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 and following. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and I gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. Now, as we read on to verse 3, you just have to understand, particularly in this day, you did not come into the presence of an earthly king with sadness in your heart, or it could cost you your life. And especially, this is a cutthroat king. If you look historically what happened, he actually killed his brother to take the throne. 
And so sadness before the king. You know the story of Esther and the whole story of fasting and praying as she goes to make a request out of sadness of heart and it took her own life into her own hands. The same thing is happening right here with Nehemiah. And by the way, those stories all join beautifully. Esther, Ezra, and Nehemiah. We're going to read about uh, Ezra. In fact, Ezra and Nehemiah used to be the same book and then we've uh, separated them as two expressions. But it's just this beautiful progression and that's exactly what was taking place again. Nehemiah, in a comfortable position, is now taking his own life into his own hands because he's burdened by that which troubled the heart of God. Verse 3, his response after he said, I was afraid, just being honest with where he was, I was afraid. Verse 3, I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? <laughs> this is important. So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king. I want to point this out in a moment, but I want you to see this. So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves that I may rebuild it. And here we see the initiation of the third return of God's people out of exile back to their homeland. And this is what's taking place. Ezra had led the second, now Nehemiah would lead the third. You remember in the first chapter, Nehemiah was burdened. He sat down and he mourned, he, he wept, he fasted and he prayed. You, you remember all of that. So Nehemiah has been taking some time in the presence of God with the pain that existed in his life and in his day. He took some time. He didn't just try and escape it. He took some time. He engaged with that. And out of that deep place of prayer, then he's standing before the king. And I love it. <laughs> so I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king. I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king. This is the result of Nehemiah's conversational lifestyle with God as his way of life. Walking in the Spirit. You need to understand this. Walking in the Spirit. How many of you want to live by the Spirit? Say amen. The Bible actually says something more than live by the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. It says keep in step with the Spirit. That means walk in an ongoing, interactional, conversational relationship with the Lord. The book of Acts, they say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Decisions that I'm making are actually discussions that I'm having as I'm walking with the Lord and talking with you. I was praying and talking, and it all comes together. And so this is key. Walking in the Spirit is simply where every decision you make is a discussion you have with God. You're just paying attention to those promptings and conversation. I was working on my, um, <clears throat> on my graduate degree at Oral Roberts University, and I needed an exception to something that was uh, required of me because of the schedule that I had to keep. And so I went to my advisor and I said, hey, I need to help. Uh, you know, this is not going to work. I've got to do this. And, and the, my advisor said these exact words to me, you can't do that. And I just was like, oh, well, I mean, I have to do this. I, it has to work. And so I went to my advisor's supervisor, and I explained the whole situation. I got on my advisor, and, and I needed this. And, and my advisor's supervisor said this to me, you can't do that. And so I was walking down the hallway, and lo and behold, the dean 
of our college was there, and I saw the dean, and I thought, this is my opportunity. I've talked to my advisor. I've talked to the supervisor. I'm just going to go straight to the dean. And it was the strangest thing because I started walking toward the dean, and as I almost got to the dean standing there, this was my, my prime opportunity. It's not, not like I could, you know, just bump into him all the time. But my prime opportunity as I walked up, I felt the Holy Spirit just say, not now. How many of you know God's always having a conversation? How many of you know we don't know God's always having a conversation? A lot of the time God's having a conversation. But I just sensed in that moment, not now. So I just kind of stopped, and I didn't get his attention. I just kind of stood there for a second, and I, just, I was a little perplexed by it. And then somebody, literally seconds after this, somebody rushed up, and there was an emergency situation, and the dean was whisked off down the hallway. Had I gone in that moment to try and talk to the dean, then it would have been all disrupted. I happened to catch a little glimpse of what the problem was that they were having, Long story short, I went to the dean's office and sat down, and I said, I, I was in the hallway when I saw you there, and I realized you've got this issue going on. I was a certified lifeguard, and they actually needed a certified lifeguard for a, a situation that was immediate at hand. And I said, uh, I actually am a certified lifeguard, and I heard that you know there was a need. Maybe I could help. And he said, oh, I am so glad you're here. I mean, I had such favor and entrance, and he was so delighted. And I said, but I do have one, one request. And I said, I talked to the advisor and I talked to the supervisor advisor and, and they said, you know, I can't do this, but I need this exception to be able to get this done. And, and he, he looked at it for a second and he said, I think we can do that. I just want to say, this is the season the church is coming into. Will you receive this, what I'm saying to you? Like favor is about to come upon you in remarkable ways. And like, there are going to be moments in time where you're just interacting with God and you get a not, a not now word because it's just not exactly the right moment. And other times you're going to get a right now word because now is the time. But I'm declaring there's favor and there's grace coming upon the body of Christ as God is expanding the work of God in the earth in a powerful and profound and significant way. And you and I are a part of that, the force of God's sons and daughters that are mobilized by the power of His Spirit in the earth. And here's Nehemiah experiencing this. We read then in verse 6, And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone? And when will you return? He didn't say, You're sad in my presence. You're going to die. He found great favor with the king, just like you're going to begin to find great favor in this season of your life. You really should embrace these statements and assign them over your life and over your legacy. I just say great favor and grace is coming upon you in Jesus' mighty name, and you receive the promises through your yes and amen, so you say amen. We receive it. I think there's an interaction taking place and a transaction taking place as we gather like this and we, we explore and have a sense of what God's revealing in this hour and it gets assigned to our lives. Something's being assigned to your Tuesday right now, a conversation, an interaction you don't know about, but it's being assigned to your Thursday right now. I don't understand how it works, but there's great grace and great favor that's coming upon us in this hour of the church. And the king said with the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me. And when I had given him a time, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given. I want to be gone this time, but I'm not just going to be gone. I want you to give me letters to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And the letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest... <laughs> I really love this. Like, can I have some time off? Yep. Can I have letters to protect me? 
okay. And can I have some of the king's personal stash of timber to rebuild the walls of my city that you actually, your kingdom destroyed and has been against for over a hundred years? Do you understand what's being asked? Like, this is crazy. You're not going to do this without supernatural favor and grace upon your life. Let it be, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And so the the letter to the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city, for the house that I shall occupy. I want to use your personal stash timber to build myself a home. And the king granted me what I asked for, for the good hand of my God was upon me. And the king's going to grant you what you asked for, because the good hand of your God is upon you. And your boss is going to grant you what you asked for, because the good hand of your God is upon you. And the politicians and the legislators and the people around you are going to grant you what you asked for, because the good hand of your God is upon you. I'm not just talking about a bunch of stuff we want. I'm talking about what God desires. And as we're in conversation with Him, troubled and burdened by that which burdens God, then it mobilizes us and awakens us then to go and make the request that He desires for us to make to build the work that He desires to be built in the earth in which you and I live. The king granted me what I asked because the good hand of my God was upon me. And then I came to the governors, the province beyond the river, gave them the king's letter, and the king sent with me officers and army and horsemen. This is a big deal. You just have to understand, literally reversing a hundred years of history in the ruling that was being made. I'm just going to say it loud and clear and declare it. The church of our day is entering into a season of great favor and prosperity. The church of our day. I want to be very intentional about this because when I say the P word, it's sometimes difficult for us to choke down when we realize the whole idea of prosperity has been um, hijacked in the commercialization of the religious commodity of the Western world church as we have come to know it. But the Bible actually says the Lord delights in the prosperity of his servants. And so it is God's plan to awaken God's people in the earth to fulfill God's promises and do God's work in such a way that the work of God expands in the earth. And and I want to challenge you to know this because it's significant. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, give and it will be given to you. So your giving actually unlocks something, but but listen to the fullness of what this is saying. It's verse 38. Give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men will give into your bosom. Think about what I'm saying. When you begin to explore and experience and express the generous nature of God, giving has always been a part of God's plan for worship. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. Before the law, during the law, Jesus came and said, you shouldn't neglect the matters of, of the law. You shouldn't neglect the tithe. I mean, this has always been a part of worship that we see in God's kingdom. 
And, and it's a setup. It's like a setup for us to humble our hearts before God and say, it all came from you, so I'm going to honor you, Lord, with the portion of that which you've given to me back as an expression of worship. And the Lord is saying, if you'll just honor me and obey, then give, and it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men will give into your bosom. They'll begin to be a release of great favor that'll happen on your life in a profound and significant way. This is what the Bible says. And I believe that the Lord wants to awaken this. So I, I want to encourage you people, I, I get fussed at about this, and, and I, I'm going to be a little more readily about it because we, the, the way we give in the church, people come to church for a while and they say, you know, I don't hear how to give. So this is how you give. You can give through our app. You can give by texting to uh, give to the number. You can give on the, the uh, you know, I, I love the, the giving stations during worship. Communion right here and the giving stations can just be an expression during worship where we're just saying, this is more meaningful than just me trying to check a box or do something that I'm being told I'm supposed to do. I want to encourage you. Explore the deeper meaning of reading Scripture. Explore the deeper meaning of giving. Explore the deeper meaning of worship. Explore the deeper meaning of fellowship, community, connection, relationship. So Nehemiah favor with God goes and he's beginning to prepare to build and we see the progression of what's taking place in this trip verses 18 and 19 he's now pulling together the people that were going to do the work and he's going to explain what's happened I told them the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me and they said let us rise up and build so they strengthened their hands for the good work and they lived happily ever after isn't that the way it goes? Finally, I'm going to obey the Lord, and then everything goes my way. I just want to encourage you to know something. If you encounter giants, it's a strong indication that you're coming out of a wilderness into a place of greater promise. That's what we read in Scripture. And so giants are an indication that you're coming into a place where God is going to cause you to advance and more than conquer in the situation or circumstance, whatever it may be at hand. So we're going to read there are a lot of places where they could grow disillusioned in the book of Nehemiah because there was opposition that came to their mission and there will be opposition that will come to your mission. But God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that you can ask or imagine and all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And you are the head and you are not the tail and you are going over and you are not going under. Those who can be denied, they will be denied. But we will not be denied because we are of those that are born by the Spirit of God with the resurrection power of Christ that work within us in every circumstance that we are facing. The Word of God has to come out of us in those moments of importunity. Moments of challenge when you get smacked upside the head by the devil, God's Word can come billowing out of your head. Boy, he hates it when that takes place. So Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite servant, Geshem, and the, the Arab, they heard of it, and they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? You know that verse, haters gonna hate? Have you ever read that one? <laughs> that, that's simply the declaration that we tend to celebrate in the sweet by and by, but we've got to navigate in the nasty now and now. I don't know if you realize this is what it is. 
but we, we tend to celebrate where we're going, and then we have to navigate where we are. And the Lord wants to try and give us the strength that we need in those moments of struggle, but you do understand, like, struggle is actually what produces strength. Do you realize that? How many of you have a gym membership? Anybody here, just raise your hand, you have a gym membership? You go to the gym, and you don't, like, have coffee and sit. You go to the gym, and you struggle. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? Somebody who doesn't understand, they're looking at you, you're putting weights and you're, you're lifting these weights and you're going, Argh! you're sweating and your veins are bulging and, and they're like, what is wrong with you? Why would you do this to yourself? Because you want to be strong. The struggle produces strength. God sees every struggle you have ever faced and he will produce great strength out of every struggle. God is the God who never wastes a single hurt if you will allow him to have control. And out of your pain can produce great purpose, even if it didn't come from God. It can be used by God if you'll give it to him and place it in his hands. Any good parent knows what I'm talking about. How many of you, as parents, if you're a parent here, how many of you do not want to give your kids everything they want because you don't want to spoil them? If we're not careful, we as parents can give our kids Everything we have except that which gave us the ability to give them something in the first place. And your kids need to grow in points of resistance in the process of developing the strength to get from where they are to where they need to be. That's why they need to have chores. That's why they need to have responsibilities. That's why they need to have limitations. That's why they need to have curfews. That's why they need to have all the different conversation interaction that takes place. I don't care how old your, your child is, how young. There is an age-appropriate conversation to happen to help them grow in points of resistance that they might actually learn places of great strength. I'm, I, I would come down there and amen myself right now if I had the energy. I'm really hoping for some amens from a couple of daughters of mine over this section. But I'm not hearing it. <laughs> uh, would the worship team go ahead and come? Thanks for, your, thanks for your grace, church family, as we're just trying to grow in what God's doing. Like, you're probably going to be dazzled less and less as we become more and more who God's called us to be. You might need to be aware of that. Because it can be a little disillusioning. It's just not the product of the commodity of church that we've known in the Western world. In fact, I, I shared with the worship team this morning something that I really believe is true. Like, it sounds really awesome, doesn't it, to hear and think about what we're becoming as the church. Like, man, really biblical church. What does it look like when the church is born from the blueprint of Scripture? I want that. And it sounds inspiring at first. But on the other side of that inspiration, I want you to hear me. On the other side of that inspiration is being underwhelmed. Because we live in a society that has produced the expression of church 
that has been evangelized by our culture so much that we overstimulate and underdevelop the body of Christ. It's exciting, it's inspiring, and then underwhelming because the underwhelming part of the process, I mean, our leaders haven't heard me use this language yet because I'm, I'm just growing in this. And this week it's been, I just was talking with Tracy about this, I think yesterday, just saying, man, I just, oh, I, I gotta have help to know how to walk this out. We have to do this together. So here we are on this journey. I encourage you, your action point, read the book of Nehemiah. Ask the Lord to rebuild that which he's desiring to restore. And let's be a part of what God's called us to be a part of. And rather than always having to be entertained, we want to move beyond entertainment to encounter. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's inspiring, isn't it? And then it's underwhelming when we're just sitting in silence and waiting and nobody's telling us what to sing or where to go and what to do. Do you understand? This is the church in a place of greater maturity that God's wanting to introduce us to. I may even sound like I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. I don't. I, I'm lost in it. But I'm hungry for it. I think the more we're lost in it, the more reliant we are on what the Lord's desiring to do in this hour to become the body of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, it's dangerous. Jesus didn't come to make us safe. He came to make us dangerous. <clears throat> and we've got to be willing to let go of some things in the comfort to embrace the risk. So, Lord, we're just inviting you as a family. Would you help us grow in a greater reality of what this really is supposed to look like? And just where we started today, Lord, we come back to and we say, forgive us where we've allowed points of pain and frustrations with God that have caused us to maybe drift in our affection away from you. We just come back, Lord, to that moment. We give you our attention. We devote to you our affection in the way we just every day get into the Word, spend time in prayer, cultivate that conversational interaction with God so that we then find ourselves having a conversation with the King and we're praying to God and conversing with the King. So help us, Lord, to be responsive in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Just working out how to challenge you to a final decision. You know, salvation is really about um, an apprenticeship with Jesus. He's the master. We learn his ways. And if you're if you're not sure that you've actually surrendered your heart to Christ, that's a pretty big starting point for us today. That's salvation. Jesus came, he lived, he died, he's risen from the grave. He is who he says he is. He's the savior of the world, but he didn't just come to die for us, he came to rescue us and embrace us and we have to accept who he is and what he's done as the ultimate sacrifice for the sins in our lives. How many of you have ever sinned in your life? Can I hear an amen? <laughs> we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Jesus came to redeem and restore and rescue us. And then he invites us into a deeper place of what it means to really be family with him. 
And so that's, I just want to say thank you to all of our community group leaders that are littering the lobby today. All the tables you'll see as we uh, walk out. If you're not engaged or involved in community, then take some time and just meet some people in the process of going out through the lobby. And uh, I just want to say, if everybody would help me say thank you to all of our community group leaders. Thank you for coming early, for staying late, for making this happen. Uh, just to be able to communicate. Our heart is to grow deeper spiritually. You cannot grow spiritually all alone. And so make sure you're reflecting on that. If you're here and, and you don't really know how to be involved, I have great news. Today's the day I've been talking about. And as soon as we conclude, we're going to take just a few moments and worship into what the Lord's revealing, and then, then we'll be dismissed. And we're going to have what we call Discover Destiny. 30 minutes or less and invite you to go upstairs with us. There's elevator and stairs right over here to the left. Go upstairs with us, 30 minutes of a conversation about what's, what's what I'm going to do with my hands, about who we are as a church. Not who we are and how you can come be a part of what we are and what we do, but who we are and what you carry and how that all integrates to help us become who God's called us to become. So let's all stand together. I'm going to invite our prayer teams, if you'll make your way up. Just our uh, part of our assignment as a church family is we want to just take that which God stirs in our hearts and just bring it back to Him in a place of worship. And during this time, it's a great time to be uh, bring any needs you have for prayer to our prayer team. The communion stations are uh, right here, sometimes just going and receiving communion over what the Lord's been revealing. Listen. This is important. I, I, I'm tempted to race by it, but I'm, I am, I'll just remind you, as we're exploring what this is, efficiency is less of our focus. And so we want to make room and have time just for what we're sensing the Lord is revealing. And uh, one week from tonight, we're going to have worship and baptism. And I want you to think about this. Because if today is the day that you're giving your life to Christ, then uh, it would be a beautiful thing for you to get signed up and actually be baptized one week from today. And that's like salvation is where we pass through the waters of the, we come out of the bondage of Egypt and we pass through the Red Sea. And everything that's held us captive for generations dies in the water when we go through that. Isn't that a beautiful picture of baptism? And then we move past that into a place of the wilderness coming into a place of promise the Jordan River is there and we're like going into a greater place of promise and we pass through those waters and so water baptism becomes that as well now listen church can be done a little bit messier than it has been done I know a lot of you all are looking over here you're hearing chatter and talk uh, going on I just want to say to you there's some people over here that are celebrating six months of sobriety. People over here that are celebrating 15 years of sobriety. <laughs> Michael, nine months of sobriety. We're declaring, come on. People that are giving their lives to Jesus. 
that haven't been here before. Or ha- it's happening right over here. That's why you hear all this going on. And some of y'all are thinking, can't these people be quiet? The pastor's trying to talk. I understand. I understand. But what you need to understand is we are less interested in keeping everything sterile and more interested in just saying, Lord, would you change our lives? to become the people you've called us to be. So come on, let's just honor the Lord. Let's all just give him a hand clap of praise. We just celebrate, lift up his name. We honor you, Lord. Come on, let's take just a few moments. If today you're giving your life to Christ, come meet some of our prayer team. We want to pray with you. If you're growing deep in your relationship with the Lord, anything in your life you just need to bring before him, let us pray with you as we just take a few moments in worship and then we'll be dismissed. And those of us going to the Discover Destiny conversation, we'll all go upstairs together.